this week on the Music Biz Weekly podcast. What's the difference between book smarts and street smarts? And why do you actually need both of them? Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly podcast, founded in 2011 and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert, two longtime music industry pros, discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you Build need. a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to Bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any... Follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate it. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. You got Mike, you got Jay. And uh, as usual, Jay and I were uh, having our chat before hitting record, and it just led us into a great topic that I'm excited for us to jump into. But before we do that, just a real quick shout out once again. Thank you so much to Bruce and everybody at HypeBot and Bands in Town for your continued support in promoting the Music Biz Weekly podcast. It's greatly appreciated. And of course, to our sponsors, today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bandzoogle.com. For over 20 years, Bandzoogle has made it so easy to build a stunning website and online store for your music. Now they've added a brand new EPK, Electronic Press Kit, plan so that musicians can create a professional single-page electronic press kit in just minutes. All the features you need to design an EPK are already built in, including fully customizable templates, preset EPK page layouts, music players, images, text bio and video embeds, a gig calendar and press quotes, and of course, access to Bandzoogle's award-winning support team seven days a week. The new EPK plan starts at just $6.95 per month, And Music Biz Weekly podcast listeners can head over to Bandzoogle.com, sign up and try it for free for 30 days. But use the promo code MUSICBIZEPK, all one word, and you will get 10% off the first year of the new EPK plan subscription. That's Bandzoogle.com, promo code MUSICBIZEPK when you sign up for the EPK plan. And of course, thank you to discmakers.com. As we all know, vinyl in the past has been mainly a label product because of high prices and tight supply, which result in long lead times that have kept the independent artists largely on the sideline. Yet independent artists want and need vinyl product, but not many of them end up moving forward. Why? Again, because of the price and turnaround times. Most artists don't know how many records are going to sell. They don't want to start. They they want to start with the smallest quantity possible to test the waters, so they don't end up with a garage filled with five thousand vinyl albums that nobody wants to buy. So up until recently, a hundred records at disc makers would have cost you nearly two thousand dollars to press, and that's a lot of money, especially when you compare it to the cost of making one hundred CDs at disc makers, which is just one hundred and forty nine bucks. So Disc Makers has decided to rip the Band-Aid off and they've launched an entry-level vinyl program with an offer of 100 vinyl records for just $1,299. So head over to DiscMakers.com and place your order for 100 vinyl records for just $1,299. Jay, so what we were chatting about, let's, let's, let's sum it up with this. Book smarts versus street smarts 
And both, in my opinion, are incredibly important. There, you have to have solid foundation book smarts, meaning you're going to go to college, you're going to be taught out of books. And that's incredibly important. And my, my, my personal feeling is that college education is getting you your first job. What did you study? Where did you study? How well did you do? But I personally think, let me know what you think. Every job you get after that first job is not because you went to college. It's because of what you accomplished in that first job. Yeah, And the, that's the music, when you start learning yeah. street yeah. smarts. The music business I was told early on is about relationships and follow through. And I can tell you from working decades for major labels, that's exactly true. But what you described is spot on. How do you get that job? Well, you, you say to them, I understand the business. I went to school for it. I studied, I got a degree and, and that's all, all fine and good. Um, there's some really great books out there, textbooks, music books that you can learn from. And you touched on this. It, we're not dismissing that. That is super important. And one of the reasons it's so important is because our business is sort of complex by design. And you've got the publishing side. You've got the master side, right? You've There's a lot a of rules, regulations, oh laws. There's there things lot. that you need to know, you yes. know about, about putting music out and about rights so you don't sign away your rights. And so you can actually, this is the music business, right? So you can monetize it. But I think after working with a lot of students over the years, there are two types that I'm running into. The ones that are really book smart and they've got that down like the Donald Passman book or the Baskerville book or some of these textbooks where they, they know how, you know, copyrights work and how royalties are paid out and some of those things and how, the how to handle works. splits and, 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 right. and all, all of that stuff, which again, so important. And yes, you do need to know that, but I, you know, it's, it's funny because what led this in, into this is like, yeah, that's all great. Jay, let me tell you about my experience when I dealt with an artist who I had 20 interview requests for because they said they'd be available for interviews. And then they backed out and said, well, I don't want to do any interviews. Yeah, how do chapter you chapter on how, that in the book? How, yeah, that's exactly it. That's not taught in a book. That's not necessarily taught in a lecture. That's taught by you just got yourself into this and now you got to figure out how to extract yourself maybe as the marketing person without ruining your reputation and still maintaining the reputation of the artist and not burning the bridge with a media outlet because you wanted them to do something else. Yeah. This is taught. You only learn that sort of stuff because you actually got wrapped up in it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a great saying. Uh, my grandfather used to say that it's one thing for me to tell you how hot this candle is. It's a whole nother thing for you to put your finger in the flame. And there's certain things yes. that you have to learn from experience. And some things seem counterintuitive. For example, we, we have an artist who's offered to do some pretty big press morning shows on television. Great. Sounds like a no-brainer, right? Well, there's certain certain outlets 
where they retain the rights to that performance for a window of exclusivity or to put it up online and things like that that you need to know about. And you can read about that in the book, and that's great. But then the thing that you learn after doing these things in the real world is that, let's say it's, I'll make up something, Good Morning America. Well, that's not free for you. You have to get your band there. You have to give them a per diem, a hotel room, meals. You have to get your backline set up. Just appearing on one of those shows could cost an artist $10,000, $20,000. Um, those shows aren't paying you $10,000, $20,000. So does that make sense? Maybe not. But I will say, and I know you've been down this road too, there are certain things that you do that don't make sense financially, but they do make sense to grow and engage an audience. Yes, for your they make sense for a career. And and again, that's stuff that's not going to be taught in a book. That's stuff that's going to come from your gut and having experience going, yeah, but I know, you know what, we're going to be able to leverage that in these three other things that are going to potentially have a, a positive revenue impact. So yes, it yeah. might cost us money now. But down the road, it's going to be better. And and it, I think you you might you might chuckle at this. There's a big part of the music industry that's also all about um, it's better to not ask for permission and just apologize later. Yeah. Ask and, for forgiveness, and, not permission. Yes. Yes. And what that means is, you know, that book that you studied is going to tell you, no, you don't have the right to do that. You can't do that. So you're not going to do that because the law says you can't do that or what whatever it is but you know from experience yeah you're not going to end up in court there's not going to be a lawsuit and you're just going to have to apologize later and do something nice to make it work for everybody and that's sort of part of this business it's like okay you know i'll scratch your back you scratch my back and yeah we'll ignore what the the rights say what the law might say we're nobody's going to get upset about this so we're going to do this that's right And if you ask any music industry attorney and i have you think that the law is black and white like a speeding like the speed limit 65 if you go over that you're going to you know open yourself up to a ticket but that's not really how entertainment law works it's all about the circumstances uh, surrounding things and there's the interpretation of the that nuances yeah exactly Who, what the, the people you're, you're dealing in. with and the relationship you might have with those people yeah. and and d- d- does that other party want something from you down the road so they might be willing to look the other way on this instance because they want something in the future yeah it, it, it's it's funny i've always as long as i've been in the music industry whenever i've worked with you know, corporations and stuff. And I'm like, well, do we need to run this by legal counsel? Yeah. Do we need to ask the lawyer what the take is? And the CEO inevitably comes back. I can tell you right now, if you ask the lawyer, the lawyer's going to say, no, don't do it. Because the law says it's not legal. And they've got to inform you it's not legal. So but it's risk versus reward, right? That's they're exactly not gonna, it. They're not going to open you up for risk where you're going to go to jail, but they may you know, they may risk certain things. And one of the things that I think is really important for books um, and learning the music industry, whether you go to a school to do it or whether you do it on your own is it's key because you know, from some of these books, what does a manager typically get paid? What can I expect? 
um, on a record recording deal if I'm a new developing artist and I don't have a lot of leverage? What, what does a sync license typically pay out? And those are great starting points, but it's not the finish line. It's a great thing to have that in your back pocket. So when you go in and you meet with a potential manager or a potential booking agent or whoever it is, you've got a little bit of knowledge in your back pocket when they say, oh, it's 5%. You're like, well, industry standards really around 10%. And you can sort of have that experience but that doesn't compare with when you've been out on the road for a few years and you sort of see that oh well i'll make this deal to develop this relationship and now i can get on these other tours and festivals it's like you said it it may not make sense in the short term but it may make sense in the long term yeah yeah you know there's so much knowledge that comes from being in the trenches and dealing with stuff. I mean, another example we were talking about, you know, you could be working at a label and you've signed an artist and that artist needs to deliver items to you. Could be quote, it could be photos, it could be a video, it could be masters, it could be artwork, yeah. you know, countless things. And, and I think we know from experience, you can ask as far in advance as you want, and it's always going to show up at the very last minute because you are screaming at him going, I need this now. Why are you not replying? It's, it's that sort of stuff that you need to understand how to work through. You have to have a how plan to, for it. how to keep your calm yeah. and your wits. So you can hit that deadline. And, and I've always looked at it this way. You need to have multiple contingency plans. You've got the ideal of I'm emailing you two months in advance that I need approved photos for album artwork and I need them in three weeks deadline. Yep. All right. You've done that. That's the ideal. What's contingency plan A when it's gone a week now and nobody's replied? And then what's contingency plan B when it's now two weeks? And you've had a reply, but nothing is showing up or what's showing up is completely unacceptable. And then what's contingency plan C when the deadline is in 24 hours and you have to get something delivered? Yeah. You, through trial and error and living in the trenches, will slowly sit here and go, all right, I got my backup to the backup to the backup that I know I can get by with using this if they don't deliver anything. And I've, you know, I, the label, we've covered our butts because we've made multiple requests. It's been acknowledged and we've sent text messages. We've had phone calls. We've made every effort. So when we use alternate photo B and the artist goes, who the hell approved this? You can sit here and go, we had to because we requested, 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 and it was never delivered and we had to do something. Yeah. You don't learn that. You don't learn that in yeah. a book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we actually saw, well, let me back up. When you're saying that you need to have these plans, the, the pros that have been around a while, it's built in. They know exactly like what the deadlines are. They try to pad them, but they also know if, if I don't get this by this date, this is what I'm going to do. But the other part of it is just planning for it. Like making every, you route things for approval. So they're signed off on. So if something goes out wrong and he, invariably at some point it will, 
you can go back and say, well, you signed off on it. And so we had this actually happen one time where an artist's name, um, it was a side person, was misspelled on the album. But it was routed to all of the all of the people. So it was signed off on. And then that way you can sort of cover yourself. You know, it's ex expect the best, but plan for the worst. And the last thing I'll say on it is, you know, as well as I do, every touring artist that's, you know, been doing this at all, they have two of everything on the road, right? Two guitar yep. amps, two guitar leads, two everything, two snare drums. In case that snare breaks, they've got one sitting right there ready to pop it in, right? And the reason for that is, and, and again, you may not learn this from a book, but you prepare for things to go south. And by doing that, whether it's in business or whether it's in carrying two of everything on the road, that's where you cover yourself. Yeah. You, the, I've always said this to people who, who I've talked to who are outside of the music business. I'm like, the music business is built around deadlines. And, and for the most part, these are deadlines that you can't move. You, you, you are announcing a tour. Press is scheduled. Tickets are going on sale or an album is being announced or an album is dropping on that street date. You can't just, oh, uh, it's a week out. Oh, uh, you know what? Let's just push it back a few days. Yeah. That would give us a little more comfort room. That is not, that's not part of our daily life. You hit that deadline. And to your point, that's why you build these plans, these strategies, these backups, because you're going to hit, it's going to be announced and you are going to, tickets are going on sale, whether you are ready or not. So you yeah. better have something ready to go. Yeah, that's right. And when you get ready to announce a tour, typically you may have some product that's going to be released surrounding that, right? They, they run concurrently. And what we've seen sometimes is because of a lack of planning, it takes X amount of weeks to get vinyl made. It takes a lot less to get CDs made, but it still takes a little bit of time. But even getting things set up into a distribution system, you can do it really quickly, but they don't recommend that. They want you to have it in the system 30 days, 60 days in yeah. advance. The more time, the better, right? And what's really frustrating for you and I, and we've had this conversation offline, is when it's like, okay, um, we need to rush this thing out. It's like you never want to rush things out because you lose opportunities with press. You lose all sorts of opportunities with the DSPs and stuff. When you plan things out, that's when the good things happen. But how many I've actually seen tours start without product in the marketplace because they weren't planning ahead. They weren't thinking about dropping that product. So it comes out after they've been out on the road for a month. Oh, I, I've, I've been with an artist who started a tour. And they didn't have tour merchandise because the merchandise company couldn't couldn't get it produced in time. So what was contingency plan A on how do we solve this problem? Well, we go find another person who can produce just enough to hold us over for one or two shows while the bulk of the other stuff finally shows up. Yeah. Shit happens. And 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 there isn't a chapter in any of these books called shit happens there there's not a be. shit there should be there really should be where it's just here's all the shit that's going to happen that that we can't really teach you about but you've just got to be but prepared you need to know for. you right? need it's to know like, this 
when I were talking a little bit about, you know, high school and how, yeah, they'll teach you algebra and they'll teach you some of these things um, that you may or may not use later, but are they teaching you how to balance a checkbook and make balance sure a that do a job just... interview and, you know, make your bed? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's sort of what we're talking about is it's we're not putting down these books that are crucial to what Mike said in landing that first job and having that yes. knowledge and that background. But, man, there's such a big difference between book smarts and street smarts. And 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 they're both. um I'm, gonna, I'm I actually have to text a client right now at the last right minute. In. Some it's just like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, they're both incredibly important. The 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 book smarts are your foundation for everything. Yeah. But and, once you've taken that and gotten yourself into this industry doing whatever it is that you love, you are going to learn very quickly that stuff is happening that nobody taught you about. Nobody yeah. said, be prepared for this. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it, that is the street smarts that will get you another job and a better job because somebody's going to go, wow, you know, were you involved with that tour where this happened? You're like, oh yeah, I was deep in the trenches. And let me tell you how we got out of that. And they're yeah. like, that's impressive. We yeah. need somebody who can think like that on the spur at the last moment find solutions. That's where street yeah. smarts come in. Yeah. There's a couple of books um, that I'd like to recommend. One, most people in the music industry have Donald Passman's book called all you need to know about the music business. I think it's in its 10th edition. It is, it's one of those things you need to have on your desk. So as you learn how the business works, because it is complicated, it is unnecessarily complex. That is one of the industry's best books. But having said that, there's also another book um, by Howie Singer and Bill Rosenblatt called Key Changes. And they list all of these times that technology disrupted the music industry, whether it's, you know, the electric guitar, drum machines, or MP3s, or whatever it is. That's the real world. They don't teach you in those other books, this disruption. And I promise you, whether it's Web3 or, or whether it's AI or whether it's something we haven't even talked about yet, I can promise you that going forward, there will be disruption and things that you didn't prepare for in college. But when you read these books, the best indicator of the future is the past. And you can kind of yep. see how did the industry respond to some of these disruptions. And again, it's, it's not what you're going to find in a textbook. I would also add interesting music business books to read that will give you a little bit more insight into the reality and the street smarts read some of the like autobiographies from past music executives and you know i i, I think back to like walter yetnikoff and stuff oh God, like that, that. i mean yeah. you're going to read these books and there's going to be some crazy stories but if you also keep an open mind as you're reading some of these industry autobiographies, you're going to you're going to get exposed to the crazy shit that happens and how they dealt with it and how they how did they deal with an artist who all of a sudden you just gave him two million dollars and said, I'm not going into the studio and I won't record your goddamn album for you. And I'm not giving you your money back. How is that hell handled? Yeah. And and you learn that sort of stuff from 
the experiences other people have had in their careers. Yeah. And then conversely, we've had artists who have recorded an album. They've got an A&R guy at their label. They're really excited about it. Maybe he gets let go. The new team comes in. They're like, yeah, we're not putting this out. Yeah. They own the rights to it. And yeah. your art is shelved. And those are things, there's so many of those instances that you're talking about where when you do read uh, writings from these other executives or you read, you know, the Key Changes book, some of these other really great books on the music industry, you're going to learn things that are, you know, a little bit more personal and human behavior and less about the nuts and bolts of the business. Oh, well, that that's exactly it. Some of these industry executives may share stories about how they sh they shelved albums why they shelved albums and you might sit here and go that is the pettiest most personal stupid reason to destroy somebody's career and shelve an album but that happens mm -hmm. and and again it's not taught in a course book this is real world you've either lived it and had it happen to you or you know somebody who can share the experience of yeah. having it happen yeah, I work with a lot of uh, college students and I've had interns. And one of the things that I tell uh, college students is nobody wants to give you a job, but everybody wants to give you advice. So you've got all of these people doing, let's say you want to be a producer, an engineer, a booking agent, whatever it is. You've got all these people doing what you want to do. I always tell people, reach out to them via social media or wherever you find them, LinkedIn, and just ask them for advice. Ask them to share some of their experience and knowledge. And again, you have that foundation of what you learned in the book. So you know what publishing is, right? You know what a sync license is. Maybe, you know, you know, the different players like a manager and a lawyer and a tour agent, you know what those roles and responsibilities are, hopefully with that education. But then you can take that and talk to somebody who has the real world experience to give you a little bit of advice in where you're trying to get to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, let, let, I just want to re remind everybody once again, we, we, we fully believe in course books, textbooks, music business classes, courses. Um, they're incredibly important. But to get the most out of it for your career, you can't just rely on that alone and go, well, this is what my book told me, the course book told me how I'm going to handle this. People are going to go, that ain't how you handle it. Here's how you handle it to get it done. It's a balance. And that comes from experience on the street. I've, I'll, I'll end with this. I've always said everybody who wants to be in the music business needs to work the merch table at least one or two times in their life. You need to go to a show, stand behind a merch table, and sell T-shirts. That is quite an eye-opening experience. Oh, yeah. Because you're right there with the fans. You're right there. You're talking at, to the fans. Um, you're hearing from the fans. Yeah. Well, let me to give you one example really quick. When I was at Universal and I was there 18 years, when we got to the holidays, when it was like so busy back in the day with record retail, you know, before streaming, what we would do is all the executives, we'd go find a record store and we would all go in and work behind the counter at the record yep. store. And man, it was the best because you can hear from those fans directly. Oh, do you have this album? And do you have something that sounds like this? And you see how things really work. And that's exactly what you described. You're not just out in the crowd going, oh, that was a great show. You go to the merch table and you see 
the artists, hopefully in action, signing things at the merch table, or you see what the fans are doing. I couldn't agree with you more. You need that you, experience. You you will you will learn things where you're like, God, is it really this hard to find the right size T-shirt? There's got to be a better way to organize this. Yeah. Wow, it's it, is is there an easier way to take credit card? Is there an easier way to sign somebody up to an email list? It, it's it's one of those things where you actually have to go live and experience yeah. what you are going to tell somebody else to do. Yeah, there's no chapter in the book on that. Yeah, none none whatsoever. So yeah, I mean, you might not be a musician, but you could you could go volunteer and go go work the front door for for some band. You know, work their VIP program one night. Um. There's yeah. things like that are just incredibly great eye-opening experience. experiences. Um, all right. That's it. Um, obviously, we'd love listen, I'm gonna try something new here. If you're listening to us on Spotify, Spotify has an ability for you to leave a comment on the the podcast episode. Leave us a comment. What do you think about book smarts versus street smarts and working in the trenches? Yeah. Is, is, is it important? Have you done it? Um, is there anything you want to add to this? Leave us a comment on our, on our Spotify episode here specifically about this. Um, but that's it. Once again, a huge shout out to Bruce and everybody at HypeBot and Bands in Town. And of course, to our sponsors, Bandzoogle.com and DiscMakers.com. Thank you so much. And that's it for the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We'll see everybody next week. Industry professionals listen to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. If you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship this opportunities. For Music Biz Weekly, provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.